darling, we're the young ones And the young ones shouldn't be afraid While the flame is strong Cause we may not be the young ones Very Hey everybody, this is Chris. Welcome to episode 9 of the Young Animal Gathering here at the Cosmic Treadmill. With this episode, we've officially reached the staples. Yep, we are at the halfway point of this little project. And today we've got four books to discuss. That includes the flagship, Doom Patrol. Kind of uh, one of them good news, bad news uh, deals, though, because uh, while we do get a new issue of Doom Patrol, it kind of feels like filler. Uh, that said, the books we are going to be discussing are Doom Patrol number 7 and Mother Panic number 9. Those both originally aired on the uh, Weird Science DC Comics podcast on July 30th, 2017. We move on to the penultimate issue of Shade the Changing Girl, Shade the Changing Girl number 11. That one originally aired on August 6, 2017. And then the penultimate issue of Cave Carson. We've got Cave Carson as a Cybernetic Eye, number 11, and that one originally aired on August 20th, 2017. Next week, we'll be discussing all five books, and we'll also be wrapping up two of them, so we hope you stick around to hear that. Hope you enjoy this one. See ya. Once in every lifetime, comes like this. Welcome back to the Young Animal segment on the Weird Science DC Comics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And we have count them two Young Animal what? books. That's right, to bring today. This is like a plethora, and one of them has been a real sleeper for a long time. But let's get to the <laughs> first one first, Chris. Which one? What are we talking about here? Sure, let's talk a little bit about Mother Panic number, uh, are we number 10 or number yeah. 9? Oh, sorry, number ten. I mean, number nine. You're right. Yeah, number yeah. nine. Yeah, the other books are up to number ten. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is Mother Panic number nine, written by Jody Hauser, with art by John Paul Leon. This is the third part and final part of, uh, was it Broken Things? <laughs> <Let me see. laughs> I don't remember the name of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, something like that. It's uh, co- uh, Victim Complex. Victim them. Complex. The last one was Broken Things. Yeah. Uh, now, this one we pick up uh, a little bit after we left off last issue. If you remember, Violet had uh, been on the pro- television program Impossible But True after uh, after deducing that – or after drawing a, a little bit of a parallel between uh, the other victims of the coroner bag killer mm-hmm. having uh, been on that show. So she went on that show. And uh, where we uh, start off, she's taken to hiding in plain sight in a dance club, hopeful that eventually that corner bag killer will come a calling. Uh, she's, uh, you know, this uh, this dance club looks like it smells. Yeah. I, <laughs> this definitely looks like this. This is not the high class dance club she usually goes <laughs> no. to. It's the, this is the uh, blue collar club right here. Yeah, this is the the, the body odor club here. <laughs> and uh, she's uh, approached by a gentleman caller, but she sends him packing, and he uh, he dances away. He does. Uh, <laughs> now we 
we jump into our first of two flashbacks back to Gather House. Uh, this is where we see Violet, who is being called 17, if you remember. Uh, she's having a chat with Mother Patrick. Mm-hmm. The nun kind of lays into her for losing three sparring bouts earlier in the day, and uh, when Violet replies, she refers to her as Mother Panic. Mm, That's the name of the book. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The nun does not take kindly to this show of disrespect. And from the sound of it, Mother Panic is sort of a running rib around Gather House. Yeah, she Uh, she even says that vile nickname is forbidden. So this isn't the first time she's heard this. And uh, so she backhands Violet, and we get the feeling that the worm's about to turn. Yeah, she's not going to be there for much longer in flashback territory, Mm. but now in the present, Violet returns to her home. Uh, That's just as Dr. Varm is getting ready to leave town for a little while, and she's, you know, kind of in love with Violet, and Violet sort of needs her to uh, handle the implant surgery as well. So Violet says... uh, was Varma plan for another doctor to come in and handle the implant surgery? Violet says, nope, you got to be the one to do it. So Varma reluctantly agrees to stay perform the operation because she loves Violet, of course. Mm-hmm. Another night, another hairdo later, Violet's at another club. She excuses herself and heads into the alley to take a swig from her flask. Just sort of, sort of, sort of, sort of struck me as weird too, but uh, it's why leave the bar to do that? I, you know, I mean, she's, <laughs> you know, that 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 that's something that someone on a budget does. You know what I mean? But sure. but maybe what's in that flask, Chris, is is not alcohol. So that's why <laughs> maybe she not to do it. Uh, <laughs> it's where she finds herself staring right into the barrels of the corner bag killer's pistols. Uh, this character was given a name in the solicit, but we're going to ignore it because it's not in the book at all. Uh, He claims he's there to make her stronger. That is to say, if she survives this, she will come out of it much stronger. Stands to reason, even if it is stupid. Yeah, it's really making a bigger assumption. That's sort (laughs) of a big reach. (laughs) If I raise my kid in poverty, he'll be a Picasso. That's that kind of theory. Uh, (laughs) So Violet beats the hell out of him, which is pretty satisfying, until she seizes up. You know, her implant isn't working, and she again goes into like, I don't know, back pain mode, and she can't move. Uh, The coroner bag guy has the upper hand, looks as though he's about to put a bullet in uh, Vi's head when. Batman arrives and uh, mm. beats the hell out of the bag. And uh, Batman's wearing his uh, his rebirth gear. He's got That's the little right. yellow outline on his bat and everything. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, this is this is this, this would give me the impression that this is happening in the same universe as certainly DCU Batman. But it, but you know we'll see how that plays out. Absolutely. Now, after beating up uh, the bag, it's revealed that he is a former PA for Impossible but True. Named Larry Tullock. Uh Batman tells Violet uh, he knows Violet is Mother Panic, and he tells her tells her that she's doing good work, but uh, razzes her a little bit for wearing white because it's a little unsubtle. <laughs> yeah. um, now after he vanishes, Violet flips off the empty air and calls Batman a smug asshole, which yeah, I don't know. I mean, she has been depicted as being kind of precious, <laughs> but. Yeah. Uh, is that really the way you talk about the dude who just saved your life? She's yeah. really, she's not really a, a pro authority kind of gal, though. You know, <laughs> no. I wasn't surprised by that kind of comment. <laughs> now, as our wrap up begins, uh, we uh, see that girl in the hospital. If you remember her, mm-hmm. she's the one who was kidnapped by the blood painter and uh, also had her parents killed in the parking structure. She's had a bad few weeks. Uh, she receives a note with a cool, stylized Mother Panic helmet sketch on it, informing her that everything's been taken care of. Uh, we go back to the Mother Panic Complex, 
or compound and see Violet, her mother, and the former rat catcher have a sort of pointless conversation. I didn't see much of a uh, significance to it. Every, uh, every conversation with Violet's mother seems pointless, though, because she's so nuts, true. you know? It's like, and they, <laughs> if anything, they sort of reinforce the relationship here, you know, sure. the rat catch is sort of watching Violet's mother, and the rats do a lot of the heavy work. But yeah, it wasn't exactly momentous. Yeah. And then we end with a flashback, the second flashback. We've got Violet holding Mother Patrick off the ground by her throat. She pauses a moment and then snaps her neck. Uh, after which... She sets Gatherhouse on fire, which I think we called several issues oh, ago. Oh, yeah. We, we could tell this. This was a place ripe for being set on fire. Yes. <laughs> and that's all she wrote for this uh, for this story arc. Yeah. Uh, there is, again, the backup that uh, you never want to read, and I don't blame you. No. This, this one was even a little more confusing. It, this this whole thing seemed like they were just reiterating the stuff. Everything that that's read. happened, it's right? It's kind of a recap, yeah. and it ends more or less the way the last one ended. But I'll be honest... I wasn't. I was sort of okay because I kind of needed a recap to sort of parse everything that's happened. I was like, oh, all right. Oh, now I see kind of what's happening. Um, yeah, it's not great. I, it's really nothing more to say about it. it it's there's a a guy's killing old heroes in Gotham, and uh, the this lady knows one of them, and that's really it. So uh, yeah, what'd you think of this uh, issue? I thought it was great. I thought this whole third story arc was uh, fantastic. Uh, I, I have a problem when I when I think about it in dollars and cents. Uh, yeah. We we've been talking this whole time. We've been doing Mother Panic, where you know we we said this book definitely has an audience, but didn't think we were it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's safe for folks that, that like us to try this book out. But it's it's hard to recommend because I mean we're we're going into like forty dollars worth of books here. Yeah. I yeah. mean, realistically, I think if we were paying for it, we would not be. We would have stopped we, after the second issue, probably. Yeah, or you know, definitely the definitely the first three. I would I would I, yeah. I would have turned around and stopped. And you know, personally, I still don't think it's really our. I, you know, it's it's not far from a kind of book we like. It's not far from a vertical yeah. book. But the main character, even though we're becoming more sympathetic towards her, we're understanding Violet a lot more. I still don't really like her or want to read about no. her. And and you know, we could say that about a million. DCU characters too, you know. It's not like sure. I, it's not like I need them all to be Aquaman or whatever. But uh, hmm. yeah, she, she's still a little caustic. However, that being said, uh, definitely a lot of character development over time. Sure, uh, we've learned a whole lot about her. We've seen that she can be good in her own kind of anti-hero way. You know, she you know sent that a note to that girl, and I like that little uh, symbol. Yeah, the, the, the helmet cool. symbol. I, I wouldn't mind if she left that as a card wherever. You know, that could be her mother panic symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, I do appreciate the fact that, you know, we said in the beginning, and when this first was said, it was me set in Gotham, we were like, oh, get ready to see Batman's cape every issue. <laughs> and we haven't. We have No, we haven't. We saw Batwoman. You know, there was an interaction there in, I don't remember, issue five or five-ish or something. And I think we did see Batman, like, we saw his cape. One. We saw him in the Bat Cave watching, and yeah. then we saw his cape. Across, or we did see a cape. We don't know if it was him, That's but right. we did see a cape on the top of a building. That's right. And you know, in Gotham, you're likely to see a cape on top of a building, whether it's Batman or not. So <laughs> or uh, anybody else. Yeah. But I, I really got to give it up to this title that they didn't force Batman in, nor did they yeah. wait so long without Batman that then it becomes ridiculous the other way. It's like, well, where the heck's Batman? You know, you're going around yeah. beating the hell out of everybody. Batman definitely knows about it. So it felt realistic. It felt, I don't know, realistic is organic. the word. Organic, I guess, would yeah. be the word. But uh, 
I liked it. I, I did, and I, and I enjoyed this arc, and it makes me want to read more of this book, which is not where I thought we'd be Absolutely. in November. I thought I, I thought I was going to be, I'd have to, like, uh, be the cheerleader every month to come out for you and be like, oh, Chris, go ahead, read that Mother Panic, you know? But, uh, yeah, it's become it's become a book that we can look forward to. So what would you give it on the site? I gave it an 8 out of 10. I think I would go the same way. Uh, yeah, 8 out of 10 just seems right there. I would not go... A half point lower, I, I, you know, you probably could, on in a good mood, get me to go up a half point higher. Sure. But uh, and and you know, I'll tell you, the art on this issue, this whole arc, has really been, you know, it serves the story the really well, yet, and think, it's been yeah. the best yet. I really have liked it a lot as far as clarity, storytelling, all the good things about comic books that we love. So uh, I don't think this person is back again, but definitely the right direction. I haven't checked the solicits. I don't know who's next or if they're, you know, if they've even said. Yeah. I'm sure they've said. Sure I don't know who said. it is. Uh, yeah. Is this one this one isn't isn't taking a hiatus right now. It's just shading. Not that we've heard. Yeah. I I mean theoretically this one sort of is the only one that seems to operate most independently of Gerard Way. I don't know how I don't know how it goes at the office, you know, <laughs> but uh, this one seems to be doing somewhat of its own thing, so maybe it doesn't ever have to take a break while uh I don't know, Gerard polishes his bmws anyway so uh yeah good good job we like that one the second book that came out on the very same day of july 26 was the long-awaited doom patrol number seven Hmm. written by gerard way and the guest artist by michael and laura allred so this one is about uh niles calder the chief of doom patrol um i'm not going to go through a history of him but he's really been in almost every iteration He, he was the leader and then sort of became a uh, foil in a sense, but uh, you, you get the idea when, even when you read the book that there's sort of a strained relationship. So he's watching Larry through binoculars, and they're in the mall. Larry's in the food court, which I think I just thought was funny. Uh, Larry's <laughs> sitting there with in bandages, sip, sipping on a coke and eating French fries. Uh, Cliff surprises Niles by appearing behind him, and he seems to emerge from the restroom. Right? What is yeah. He, what do you think he's doing in there, Chris? <laughs> that's that's a very good question. You think get an oil change? I, I thought that was like a funny little a funny thing. Like, does he go in there to like check his hair? I don't know. I was gonna say he's not combing his hair. He's not <laughs> using the facilities. He may so, look uh... like Fonzie, but he's not doing that. Uh, <laughs> so Cliff wants to know, obviously, why Niles is spying on them and called the response just a string of paranoid nonsense, just like <laughs> stuff that I bet will be relevant later. I bet like if you. Pick apart every word of it, it'll come up later, but yeah, just a bunch of nonsense. Uh, Larry comes by, seems to be happy to see Niles, and Chris incredulous at this. He hasn't forgot what Niles has done, has and had done to them in the past. Uh, Niles is there to offer his services, though, as leader of Doom Patrol. Claims it will lead to bigger adventures and thus greater glory. Cliff's dead set against the idea, but Larry points out that they're hanging out in a mall food court, so <laughs> they're not exactly having rip-roaring adventures every day. Uh, Cliff says they're only there because that's where Larry claims he can clear his head. And Niles says he he's there because he remembered that fact, too. That's what a great leader he is, and that's why he's spying on them. So Cliff asks if Niles remembers creating the disasters that made them into super freaks in the first place, and Niles seems remorseful and says he wants to heal the world of hurt. I guess he convinces them, because then the next scene they head over to Daddy the Ambulance, parked outside a Casey Brink's still-destroyed apartment. And Casey's outside putting up flyers for her missing cat lotion. 
Yes, and Larry introduces Casey to Niles and then informs her that he will be uh, leading the team on a trial basis from this point on. Uh, Niles notices that she's an amputee with a prosthetic limb and says, hey, I can cure that condition. Uh, so everybody piles in the back of Danny and heads to Dannyland. Uh, Larry Larry wants to share this uh, good news with uh, Crazy Jane, who is hovering above uh, like a bumper car ra- rally yeah. <laughs> thing here. Uh, she's sitting cross-legged like she's in meditation mode. Definitely. Definitely some kind of like a meditative thing. Also, did you notice that these bumper cars look strangely mean? They did. They the look lights, angry. The red lights, they, they, they seem to have a weird personality. I don't know what that was about, but that was cool. Now, if you remember, Jane is still recuperating from being freed from that cult uh, that other personality of hers was running. And she's uh, she's not completely on board with Niles running things, uh, but uh, won't veto it. She says they don't need her permission to uh, to do it. Uh, Larry says he's got a good feeling. He thinks Niles has changed. So, and also, he gives a uh, a hula cow to Danny, this doll. I, and I was I was racking my brain trying to figure out if this was something we should know. Yeah. But I couldn't think of anything. Can I you? can't think of anything. Okay. Uh, again, I, either I think this is just a strange thing, you know, as the patrol's done, or this will be later. This is a seeding story possibly for later uh, i hope so well or who knows maybe it'll be well, there'll be a run on hula cows at the store there might be after this <laughs> so anyway so after, oh, after he gives the oh, after he gives the, this to danny they all uh leave to head to uh niles's lab yeah which is like couldn't be the more of a reverse from danny's also you see all the mento helmets i didn't mention that hanging yeah. which is cool yep. but yeah it's like it's like you know cold steel and uh, you know, what to expect Sterile, in a yeah. mad scientist laboratory. And uh, there, Larry's mystical bandages, they're replaced with his old treated plastic bandages, which hinders his hand movement somewhat. Gives him like cut, a mitten. Gives him a mitten, yeah, instead of fingers. Yeah. Niles also slaps some goop on Casey's half leg and grows into a full leg. <laughs> and Cliff has been put back into his old Silver Age robot body, complete with a chest camera, which was a nice little gimmick or shtick. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's like automatically visually a vastly inferior body. Uh, everyone's given the classic red and white Doom Patrol costume, and then after a brief three-panel interlude by Life with Honey, that again, this has to be something relevant later, right? It's yeah. They they talk about that crossover that that should be pending, so maybe that's got something. I, that's, th- uh, I think this is the beginnings. I mean, it does. Yeah. It, it does have relevance because it's Honey talking to her neighbor about how her husband wakes up in the middle of the night coming up with bad idea, terrible ideas, bad yeah. Idea. And then we go back to. Uh, Niles and Niles, he reveals what they're after is scants, and these are extra, extra dimensional beings that feed off an invisible secretion resulting from bad ideas. The secretion is called idiot. So they even these scants even plant bad ideas in people to cre- increase the production of idiot. By the way, the secretion, I guess, would be invisible to us, but obviously yeah. not to them. Uh, scants are all around us, but they can't be seen unless you freeze your face mid sentence. <laughs> yeah. And I do like that when they when Bulgir, uh, Niles call uh, Casey Rita. He refers oh. to her as Rita the first time he sees her, oh, and then corrects himself. Yeah, I mean it's clear yeah. he, it's clear he's trying to get the old gang back together. Yeah. Uh, here, I mean he he's got them dressed up perfectly, but yeah, he's he's having his uh 
his uh, flashback moment here. So <laughs> certainly. Uh, now after this, we get an aside. We uh, meet up with Valerie Reynolds. Uh, this is she was rescued last issue. Uh, she was once a member of Crazy Jane's cult and uh, is trying to get back with her family again. And this family is, uh, you know, Casey's EMT partner, uh, Samson. That's uh, Valerie's husband. And uh, while they eat, uh, what was it, a green bean chicken casserole or something? Yeah, uh, which doesn't sound very good, quite frankly. <laughs> it doesn't sound terribly tempting, and I think I might have the same reaction. She uh, <laughs> she can't handle it, and uh, and she walks away from dinner. She walks away. It's it's really kind of a slightly sad scene in a book it that is. is really increasingly wacky. So uh, that scene that we just talked about is being watched by a being made, made of negative space wearing a red cape. Do you know who this is? The, Not sure. I could swear we saw this guy in an earlier issue, but I might be just imagining things. Uh, seems that whatever this is can look at anything because it flips through some channels. It sees several scenes of just things happening, even on other planets. Uh, a woman applying makeup that seems to be melting. I don't know what's going on. But uh, yeah. eventually uh, it, it, it looks in on uh, the Niles Calder and the Doom Patrol traveling in a weird cube-shaped machine, which has sort of like humps on it. You have to see it to believe it. Uh, Niles explains they took this to the Scantoverse instead of Danny, the ambulance, because he said so. He, he liked it better. And uh, they cruise out through a Steve Ditko-inspired netherworld. Looks just like something out of Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. All Niles points out some areas of interest. Eventually, they make it to Scantoria, City of the Scants. Everyone piles out of the cube machine. Each has jetpacks and laser guns, which is unusual for them. They observe some Scants enacting bad ideas and processing idiot in a big plant. But then they're joined by Niles Calder, by Niles Calder's colleague and enemy, or maybe frenemy, uh, Dan Scram and his gravity pirates. And Dan Scram is sort of a youngish guy in a rakish mustache wearing a black and silver costume. He looks sort of like a, um, a Cary Grant or something like that. Yeah. Uh, there's a fight. Doom Patrol don't do very well. For example, Cliff's body explodes. Larry can't defuse the bomb because his hands have turned into mittens. And despite having the upper hand, Dan Scram eats some pure idiot. This makes him involved into what humanity will become in three million years, which Chris seems to be a giant glowing tadpole with tentacles. Something like that, yeah. I guess that's the perfect form, and it says Mo. That that Uh, is our ideal uh, evolution. (laughs) That's what we want to be as as a uh, species. Uh, Niles tells Larry and Casey to eat some idiot so they can combat Dan Scram. He promises he can reverse the effects later. Cliff smashes Dan with one of his robot arms, and Larry and Casey turn into, like, these three-eyed werewolves, sort of. like Yeah, like I a lupine something or another. I know. I, again, I like, though, that, uh, you know, Casey, she fully gets, like, a blue werewolf, but uh, Larry still has his bandages on. You know, he's just, mm-hmm. like, three-eyed werewolf in bandages. <laughs> so uh, the Sky Pirates, seeing this, they just split. They take off with, with rapidity, and uh, Dan shoots Cliff's head off with a like a face laser uh, coming out of some eyes on the front of the tadpole face. Hmm. But Larry and Casey, they pounce on him at that very moment, and they devour him, and it's not pretty. Yeah, then uh, Niles grabs some Uma jelly and zaps Larry and, and Claire with a rever- reversion ray, uh, ch- uh, turning them back into humans. Uh, they take off, remembering to grab Cliff's head, because, uh, you know, it's the part that has uh, the brain in it, yep. uh, which is all that there is left. <laughs> and uh, they head back to Niles' lab, where they meet two alien thugs named Rizzo and Scorp, uh, and they are there to collect the Uma jelly. One of them calls Niles a deadbeat and threatens him with violence if things aren't squared neatly away right now. 
So Niles asked the Doom Patrol if they want to make things permanent between them, keep him on as a permanent leader. Casey says she'll pass, just wants everything restored the way it was, and as she says that, her regrown leg instantly disappears. But Niles says, you just need to keep taking Niles' nutrients, keep the leg healthy. And she's like, are you crazy? This is our, this is the last straw, because that really is messed up. Yep. You know, that's like a uh, snake oil salesman type r- routine there. Uh, both Larry and Casey went out of this laboratory. Uh, Larry also accuses Niles of gambling again, which I thought was a weird little touch. Mm-hmm. So Niles agrees he puts them all back the way they were, and everyone splits, taking public transportation home rather than more courtesy from Niles. As they leave, Niles mutters that he had a plan and that Corgi was there that we saw many issues ago, right? Didn't we see this yep. guy running around? He's there yeah. too with Niles. Uh, back at Casey's apartment, an anthropomorphized version of lotion lurks outside. We saw this happen, oh, I don't remember now, f- issue four or so. I think uh, so. This will obviously come to bear. But there's uh, the next story seems to have to do with the epilogue, is that Blake's supermarket is being stocked with brand new product that makes everything better, and the product is called dollar sign, pound sign, exclamation point, plus sign, otherwise known as shit, that's right, in in, uh, ampersands or whatever, so that was, uh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, and then, uh, well, we we didn't get the backup in the preview copy, but we're going to assume that was probably the who's who for uh, John Rivera again. Yeah, we got 23 um, of 25 pages, so. Yeah, maybe that, maybe that, maybe like Bane hugging a shark or something. I don't maybe, know. Maybe, uh, but we don't, we never really care about that anyway. Uh, <laughs> but that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that was the issue, so. Did you notice that uh, in that scene where uh, the the lady's putting on the lipstick and her face is melting? Uh-huh. There's a there's a shot of Robot Man from the 70s. Is that right? So this could be like a Val Vostok. Val Vostok. I, yeah. I mean, I, I thought that that scene where we see this mysterious being looking at all the this is so. Uh, let me let me back up about this. One <laughs> thing I really liked about this book is that it's totally in continuity. I kind of had the impression it might be sort yeah. of a one-off. Uh, you know, in continuity, but sort of a day in the life that wouldn't need to be impacted or, you know, just kind of be doing its own thing. Couldn't be more wrong. The whole thing, I'd say the main thing this this whole book does is seeding other stories for later, you know. Mm-hmm. The uh, Niles Calder adventure is almost like a disposable backdrop to the fact that, like, there's so much stuff really other go- stuff's going on going on yeah. behind the scenes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. I do see this woman, and yeah, this could be Val Vostok. This this guy, alien, could be relevant. Uh, the I thought that the guy uh, standing on a balcony, you know, drinking with a woman in bed, or that could be flex. That could be. I thought it was flex mental. It could be at Steve Dayton or something, or or, or maybe Mento. Yeah. Um, who knows? That's what I'm saying. It's it's all stuff for later, but. I actually went into this. I got to admit, Chris, a little bit salty because we've waited so long. Oh, yeah. I, f- I feel a little bit burned by this book. And then, you know, I, I went into this thinking, great, we're just going to get, like, a fun with Doom Patrol book, which is something, you know, who doesn't like to have fun with Doom Patrol? But <laughs> starting to feel a little ripped off and weary by this series, but I couldn't have been more wrong. It is – this book, this issue was a whole lot of fun. I thought he got the tone of Niles perfectly. I thought this was a great way for them to tell Niles to kiss off, not that I think he's – gone but you know this hmm. as a longtime Doom Patrol fan it was nice to see them be like you know buddy we've had enough of your shit you know what I mean <laughs> you know, it's it's everything with you is always a, a big problem so 
have a nice life, you know. I'm sure there'll be more later, but this it was cool to see. And like the stupid adventure they went on, the scants and the scantoverse was just so stupid and hilarious and more, it, you know, it 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 bordered on moronic in the Doom Patrol way that reminded me very much of the Morrison run. So I had a real good time with this issue despite my misgivings. And, I, and you know, I try not to go into a book with any kind of pre conceived feelings, but sure. I am still a living and breathing human, so there's nothing we can do about that. <laughs> well, how did you feel about it, Chris? I had kind of the opposite reaction. Oh. Um, <laughs> I went into it with high expectations and uh, really thought it got a little, it was just a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, if you tell us, if you give someone like the elevator pitch for like weird Doom Patrol, this is what you get. And uh like I understand that the that the Niles adventure was a throwaway, but it was just it just pushed a little bit too far on me. Where it was just like, oh come on, you know I'm just happy that Niles didn't say he'll give them their greatest adventure because they like to to meta metasize it or right, something. Right. But I, I and and I mean we've been waiting for this Niles and Doom Patrol reunion for almost a year now. And they threw it's a throwaway. I thought there was going to be more to it. It's but, true. Uh, yeah, you know they they've been doing this. You know what what is Niles called her up to every almost yeah every like issue. these weird little enigmatic cutaways where he's doing something weird, and uh, and now it's just like oh there he is in the mall and uh, oh you'll be the leader and here let's have a really weird almost you know weird for weird sake as much as I loathe saying that type of a type of an adventure and then send him on his merry way. Um, I do love that they're seeding everything. I I like the uh, like that one page we've just been pouring over here with these odd characters who may or may not be people we know. I love that. Yeah. Um, the uh, the ending with the uh, with the shit in the grocery store. Nah. <laughs> I I think they've kind of played out the consumerism thing a bit too much. Yeah. This volume. I I just I I have no real opinion on it yet until we see what it is. But yeah. Sure. It, sure. I looked at it and I thought like this is more of the. I mean this is this is probably the leftover from um. Gosh, from the fast food. Name? Whatever. No no it was it was the at the end of the last issue wasn't it? Uh, Casey's roommate. Gosh I can't remember her name now. Oh Stacy uh, Nunn or Sarah Nunn something or something Nunn Terry. Yeah. Nunn. Terry uh, Nunn. Remember she pitched something that. Like she make pitched. your life yeah. great and perfect. I think this is this is from that's that. got to be that. Uh, yeah. So you know, but essentially a a story seeded with no information. I I sure. put no value in. It could be the greatest. Could be could suck. I'm we'll just have to see what it is. But you're right. Yeah, this is a road. I'm not really thrilled to go down, but we got to see what it's going to be. I looked at sure. I gotta say, I looked at the. You're right in that the adventure that they had with Niles was like typical, almost like cookie cutter. You know, Doom Patrol wacky adventure, but I took that to be like, that's the kind of adventures you would expect if they were to team up and like re retread old Doom Patrol tropes. Uh, at the same time, though, it still does make up for a not great Doom Patrol story. I, I think I got more into the uh, overall, what you would say, the gestalt of it, you know, and sure. definitely looked sure. at it as thinking back to you know the 60s up to the you know modern era and thought that it had oh it fits in great yeah. it, it had a lot of that but yeah you're, you're right and, and definitely for the amount of time they waited for this you know again you couldn't do yourself a better favor than just read the thing in trade <laughs> uh if you're reading trade even though you, you'll probably won't get the next trade till early next year you, you'll pro it'll read seamlessly and you'll have a great oh, time yeah. with it you know waiting this long for something like this 
can be a letdown, but I cannot deny that at the end, all I had was the visceral feeling of having had a lot of fun reading it. So I ended up giving it an 8.5 out of 10. What would, where do you think I'd, you would land? I'd hit it. I'd hit an eight for sure. All right, well, that's not bad at all. No, it's not a bad issue by yeah. any stretch. It's, it's just not what I was looking for. <laughs> and and, and you, again, we talk about the money thing. You know, there's a lot of sure. money being laid out at this point. For now, we're getting to not getting a lot of resolution. What I would, I mean, one problem that I could potentially see is there's so much stuff seated that we don't get to we see may what never happens see. with a lot of it. Yeah. So, uh, okay, But I'll keep my spirits high for it and hopeful, and maybe this will be a 366-issue uh, <laughs> run of Doom Patrol we're looking at, so we'll be able to follow up on everything. But, but we get five We get five in a row, right? Is that what they're saying? Five monthly issues? This is the claim, is that, okay. is that this will not have another break until whatever. The, until the uh, spring. The spring. Okay. So... We shall see. It is solicited uh, up till October, as far as I know. Cool. So, but then again, it was solicited it was before, before <laughs> and then it got real late. So, whatever, whatever. We'll see. Take it like it comes. We cannot predict or uh, do anything about the sure. young animal shipping schedule. But I do have a good feeling that next week the book that is slated to come out will come out because it hasn't been late yet. I don't think. And that's Shade the Changing Girl number eleven. Wow. Which should be the penultimate issue before the quote-unquote hiatus. Yes. Uh, so I'm looking at this as we are concluding the series. Me per- too. Personally speaking. If it comes back, then celebrate. But uh, I'm looking at it like, yeah, we're going to, hopefully 12 will be a satisfying ending that will, you know, tie up loose ends and make us feel okay about what we've read instead of like we wasted a bunch of our time. <laughs> and uh, Chris has done, he did the math. I think he checked his <laughs> Calculations and figures two, three times, and uh, mm-hmm. he's figured that we had nine weeks in a row with actual young animal books. Yep. After next week with Shade the Changing Girl, that's yeah. nine weeks in a row. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty incredible because that hasn't happened yet, <laughs> except in yes. the very beginning. We had four weeks in a row, and then, and then we did have four weeks. Doom Patrol uh, ran off the rails. Yeah, as soon as the fourth book came out, they're like, maybe it didn't. Maybe it didn't. Maybe no. You you know what? Now that I think about it. After the fourth book came out, which was Mother Panic. That was December. That was December, right? I remember after that, we had whatever it was, a week with two. Then uh, there was an empty week. That was our first empty yeah. week was late November or something like that, because we did our uh, first year in comics mm-hmm. thing then. Um, but great. Glad to hear it. They're going to add. You think we'll break into double digits? I think I feel good that Shade <laughs> will be out next week. Uh Oh no, that'll be the one after that. Yeah, the one after. I don't know what's planned the week after. Let me let's take a little little peek on the way forward machine and uh, (laughs) see what we can see here. Because it feels like we've done everything very very recently. Uh, It it doesn't feel like it'd be time for another bug or cave. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we just did cave last week. We did bug the week before, right? So Mm -hmm. that would be the week of August ninth, right? You're talking Mm -hmm. about. Um, so let's take a look. We ha- according to Comixology, which as we know is an irrefutable resource for uh, releases and everything, <laughs> we have no, yeah, nothing. We're not going to make it That's... according to this. According to this, it is the beginning of the uh, Miracle Man maxi series, as as well as a uh, Jack Kirby one shot for the. Uh, 
Newsboy Legion, which you know I'm going to be all over like a wet soup boy. <laughs> that's that's my life, being Newsboy Legion. But anyway, uh, so we'll we'll figure something else out for that week. Sure. Uh, or maybe they'll surprise us, and maybe a book will arrive. But until then, I think that's all we got for him. Got anything else for him, Chris? Nope, that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks. I want you to keep it young and animalistic. See ya. segment on the weird science dc comics.com podcast my name is reggie my name is chris and we have uh, the streak continues how many weeks in a row is this now of weird of I, animal I think books? it was to nine right i think it's nine weeks in a row yeah, yeah i think i think we have actually surpassed the two-month mark of uh, your books every single week coming from young Crazy. animal and this week what book do we have this week for them we have, and if I'm using, I don't know if I'm using this term right, but is it the penultimate? It, it would be the penultimate, the hey. word that Eric Shea hates more than any other. It's a, it's a word that makes you sound so much smarter. It though. does, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is the second to last issue of uh, Shade the Changing Girl. This is uh, Shade the Changing Girl number 11, uh, titled Life on the Silver Scream, written by Cecil Castellucci, art by Molly Zarcone, Andy Parks, and Kelly Fitzpatrick. Uh, where did we leave off last time? She was in a nest getting ready to go to Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, we open with her in Los Angeles. Right behind the Hollywood sign, in fact. Right behind it. And uh, she's not entirely sure where to begin her search for Honey Rich. Uh, you know, Los Angeles is not a small town. But as luck would have it, Honey, which is the TV Honey, this is the colored in grayscale with the TV fuzz effect throughout mm. uh, that she's been following now and again. She's there to, to once more act as her tour guide. Uh, we also get to see Ms. Rich's star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which makes Shade wonder if this is where Earth's stars get buried. Uh, but we're not sure if she's talking about celebrities or the luminous spheres of plasma in the sky above. Yeah. Uh, Honey leads Shade to a building with the word sunset on the roof. This turns out to be the sunset home for former actors. We're not sure if it's a retirement community, a skilled nursing facility, or a hospice. Uh, maybe a mixture of all three. Maybe yeah. none. Who knows? It looks like some kind of a facility, though. You know, this isn't. A, yeah. This is not just regular condo living in here. No, no, <laughs> no. They're not out doing gardening or anything. No. Uh, inside, actually, Honey Rich, the real one, is contemplating suicide. Which is to say she's already contemplated it yeah. and decided on it, and she's just about to do she, it. She swallowed the pills and everything. Yep. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't want to let the disease dictate how she shuffles off the mortal coil and decides to take matters and a bottle of pills into her own hands. And just then, Shade wanders into the lobby of the sunset, and we get a few rapid-fire vignettes 
On Meta, Melu and Hellboy's sister have decided the skin Loma is wearing on Earth when I guess he's going to go down and uh, mess with Shade. In California, people in hazmat suits study the madness paisleys that they snagged at the end of the last issue. They posit they can distill the stuff and make a powerful mind-control drug from them. Uh, which sounds pretty familiar. That sounds like yep. an idea that uh, you know resonates. Uh, yeah, it seems like people are going to start using this stuff. We and, and you know, there's always a drug to be made from anything, no matter what. You know, you can always sure. squeeze a drug out of it. Uh, we rejoin Shade as she stands at the foot of Honey Rich's bed, and right in the nick of time, because Honey's spirit's about to vacate her body. Shade ain't having none of that, and she won't let Honey leave, so she plants a kiss on the old lady, and that somehow makes them switch bodies. So yeah. Honey is now in Megan's body, and Loma is in Honey's. I guess they can do that because their spirits were already, you know... Yeah, not attached, flux. maybe. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Now, at first, Honey uh, naturally does not know what to make of this. She's confused, uh, but then she gets angry. Uh, she was all ready to jam into the afterlife, and she was robbed of that possibility by this, what she calls a selfish fangirl. Uh, Shade is a bit taken aback because this is not how she imagined meeting Honey would be. No. Uh, back on Meta, Loma's avian body is fading fast. Melu anguishes over a mistake they made, because we don't know if it's boyfriend or girlfriend. We, they, right. We've heard both. Uh, I, I, think, Pine, I think it is both, but I don't know how, but whatever. Yeah, so we'll just say that. Yeah. Uh, and pines over our favorite mad poet, Rack Shade. Uh, back on Earth, Shade convinces Honey to teach her how to be a star. In exchange for, uh, well, killing her when it's all over. She says, I promise. I promise I will kill you. Uh, we pop over to Valleyville, where we see River uh, eating his lucky charms while watching the morning news. Uh, some weirdness is going down in Los Angeles by Sunset Home, so uh, bingo bango, he knows where Shade is. Uh, also worth noting for our uh, you know shared universe here, the news report indicates that retired actress Rita Farr yeah. is among the residents of Sunset Home, and we know that she's you know Alasta girl. That's right, Al- or Alasta woman to woman. you. Yeah, no, <laughs> yes, but, uh, from the Giffen run. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool. I thought that was a little nod. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, as River does every time he gets any information, he checks in with Teacup. And Teacup, as she does any time River gives her information, is evasive and uh, moody. Yeah, every single time. But, you know, he's going to sally forth regardless, apparently. Regardless. So back in L.A., Honey and Shade prepare to hit the town. And so we get several pages of dress-up and paper dolls, like literally... Uh, mm-hmm. Paper dolls, you know, from with the old, flaps and everything, like old school fashion comics used to have, and even like, you know, I remember seeing these in whatever in your Cracker Jack box and whatever it was. Uh, I, and it might have been cute if not for knowing that this was going to go on hiatus in another issue. Now it really does feel like a waste, and I agree. And to be honest, I feel like they could have even done more with it as it is. Sure. You know, there could have been copy. You know, if you remember in those in those. Uh, like in Sugar and Spike, they had those paper dolls, and they, oh, yeah. you know, they would lie about it. They'd be like, "This design was sent in by yeah, sent Chris, in by Chris age five, you, know, <laughs> yes. you know, whatever." Uh, I would have done something like that. I would have really played it up if I was going to play with the like gimmick in there. Yeah. But they didn't. They kind of it kind of fell a little flat. But anyway, uh, nobody's going to notice it when they get it collected. So what's the difference? Hmm. So then the pair head to a diner when uh, where some Life with Honey scenes were shot, and they have a drink, and they discuss the brutal finality of death and the inability to truly say goodbye. Suddenly, Honey as Megan becomes nauseous and excuses herself. Shade as Honey joins her in the bathroom to find her throwing up, but it's no biggie, says Honey. It's morning sickness. 
Mm-hmm. So Megan knows, honey within Megan knows that Megan is pregnant, uh, or you know, Shade, who is also Megan. <laughs> Whoever's in that body. You know, they, the the young girl is pregnant. <laughs> Whoever's in it, the body, the body is the one that's pregnant. So that's how it is. Uh, what follows is an interesting chat, which really plays with some common terminology, such as the phrase sleeping with, as it pertains to sexual intercourse. Very modern, yeah. This really took me right up to the, the current days. Um, Shade just recalls having slept with Wes, but she means literally, like, slept next to him. She doesn't really understand the uh, the implication. This leads to a demonstration including one hand making an okay sign and the other one penetrating the hole. Between the thumb and index finger, if you catch the drift of that. Uh, Shade knows she didn't do none of that with Wes, but reveals she did have sex with LePuck. But not that he's the father or anything, but, you know, we know the score. We know what's going on. We know she swallowed something. Right. Uh, Now, Honey takes Shade onto a soundstage where a couple are rehearsing their lines. And then Honey as Megan begins acting, uh, which totally impresses the crew. And before we know it, Shade, Megan, the blonde girl, has, (laughs) has been discovered. Uh, we follow that with some more rapid-fire vignettes. Back in Valleyville, Teacup quits the swim team, c- claiming that something has come up. Whether that means she's joining River? Well, of course it means she's joining River. Yeah, uh, but, but the way she's been <laughs> acting, she might just decide she doesn't want to talk to anybody anymore. Maybe, you yeah, know? maybe, maybe she'll kill herself. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, now, on meta, preparations are being made to grab Loma slash Megan and put her on trial. Melu uh, visits with Lepuck and informs him that Loma's avian body has died, and then goes on to offer him a reward to go fetch Loma in the body of whoever that is, <laughs> the, the blonde girl. Uh, but we know that she's not inhabiting that body right now. Uh-oh. Uh-uh. Uh, we jump over and we get another scene from the ASEA folks uh, who get another anomalous reading. It's uh, some sunbursts, you know, in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the issue wraps up with LaPuck being zapped to the soundstage where Honey is Megan is about to run a scene. The stagehands hustle him onto the uh, stage because they think he's one of the aliens from the film because it is a uh, sci-fi flick. Yep. And that's where we leave off. And that's it. And I got to say, the Honey backup, which you don't, the uh, Life with Honey backups that you don't read. I, I read this one. Those again. don't come with my copies. Oh, okay. Right. They left yeah. it out. This one actually was illustrated by Marguerite Salvage. Salvage however, oh, the one who pronounced. did uh, the filled in a few months ago. That's right. And also, she was excellent. She's done, a, she's done a lot of work for DC recently. And it does look pretty dang good, I got to admit. It has mm. a very good mid-century look to it. But this one was actually worse than most of them. It really fell flat uh it's the same story about gender roles and yeah, i saw mustache i saw that mustaches on their faces they're, like oh, they're, nope, not, don't they're not being taken seriously by their husband's colleagues because they're women so they dress in suits and there you go so anyway it really wasn't you know most of these do have a little humor in them this one didn't but it had i really liked the artwork i did enjoy it and it didn't have as much or any of that uh overlay that annoys the heck out of me it looks like this little, yeah. little bits of it but it's not overpowering but uh, but that was it. So what did you think of the issue, Chris? I thought it was really good. I think we got a lot. It's it's the hiatus announcement came at just the right time because this feels very rushed. Um, yeah. It feels like they're putting they're pushing everything together as quick as possible here. Uh, not not to say that this wasn't already in the can when they made that announcement, right. but they probably knew they were making that announcement a little while ago. Um, 
but yeah, it does feel like there's a lot of stuff happening and, uh, I, I can't complain about that. I mean, this, this book, we went over the sales a few months ago and it's, it's pretty dismal. Yeah. Um, sure. so I'm just glad that we're getting the opportunity to get some closure. If, if that's, you know, where we're headed with the hiatus, if the hiatus, if the hiatus turns out being permanent, I'm glad that we're getting some closure before it hits. I, I agree. Yeah, definitely with that. If we can get a good solid 12 issue story that you sure. know, has a beginning and an ending and everything. And then we feel like we can walk away with it, uh, walk away from it. That's a lot that most other comics get. And that wouldn't be a horrible thing. Uh, it was a little bit packed and, it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but, and I guess for obvious reasons though, like we know what's coming around the bend. So if they do tie up all these loose ends and they seem to be converging and about something's going to happen, then, you know, it could be very satisfying. But as it was, it kind of made this book, you know, you saw the vignettes, a lot of cutting back and forth. Rapid fire. It made it a little little frenetic for me, uh, especially when juxtaposed against the, you know, the, the main, quote-unquote, action of the book, which was essentially an old lady and a girl walking around together. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I did enjoy it. And like you said, like, if they're going to finish it, you know, obviously there's going to be you know, Megan's body being pregnant, there's going to be things open for future uh, I have some theories. I, I have a feeling what they're going to wait for is trade sales. I, just, I think maybe they're going to do that, but I have a theory that I wonder if Lepuck is going to bring Honey as Megan back with him, and then Loma in the dying body is going to die. And then uh, we're then the story will continue, maybe in, in Doom Patrol or in, in or in Meta. Or you mean uh, because we saw that we saw the vignette of Life with Honey in an issue of Doom Patrol last week. Right. So I wonder if they're gonna if they're gonna start merging things or if things are gonna get because I don't know if they're gonna relaunch this series, but I don't know if they'll act if they'll just take the character off the table or. If they're gonna do some, uh, do some, uh, you know, deck chair shuffle. I mean, that I don't could, know. That could work for me if you if you want to put Shade, uh, Megan Shade, Honey in. Uh, it's, it <laughs> seems in like the control they... could be okay with me, or you know, there could be a there could be a lot of ways it could go. You know, they could take uh, her, you know, Shade back to Meta, and then the next part of the story takes place on uh, Meta on uh, an alien world, which might be cool itself. Which... It could be a total uh, inversion of what we've gotten here because we'll have an actual Earthling right. on Meta instead of an, a Metan on Earth. Exactly. It yeah, could it, very well be that it way. Would, they would flip it around, but also it would be a much it would be an elderly Earthling, too, with mm-hmm. all of that experience. Who's pregnant. Who's in. Oh, they're going <laughs> to have a baby. So, yeah. Anyway, this is just really broad speculation about a Absolutely. series we're not even sure is going to return. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> by those trades, I, won't. <laughs> I really have a feeling because I heard that uh, – the Doom Patrol trade did very well. I'm sure it did. Uh, and I heard actually the other ones too that the first shade, the cave, did well, and that it, that may be enough to justify the singles. Uh, As a loss leader or something, yeah. One would wonder why. <laughs> but anyway, what what score did you give it? Let's give them numbers. We need hard I, numbers here, Chris. Okay, let me crunch here. Crunch. <laughs> 8.5. <laughs> yeah, you gave it an 8.5. I think I'd go eight. Like you know, I had a good time with it, but it was just the jabbedness of it did make me feel yeah. maybe a little anxious but still a great great book and uh if it can finish this strong then this will go down as one of the more enjoyable runs of a comic that i've read and that's mm-hmm. uh, not a horrible thing to say certainly not so next week though oh here we go Uh oh. what young animal book we got uh oh 
We came up snake eyes next week, Eric Chris. I'm sorry. We finally break this streak of young animal books coming out every. We knew it was coming regardless, though, yeah. because two books are going on their quote unquote hiatus. But next week there won't be anything. But we do have a uh, something special planned. We're gonna uh, tie, it's gonna tie in with the launch of the Mr. Miracle Maxi series, which is coming out next Wednesday. But when this podcast comes out, it will be out the the Wednesday, which I think is the eighth. Anyway, I'm just talking about it. Whatever it is, whatever the Wednesday <laughs> is after this podcast, uh, by Tom King and Mitch Gerards, right? Is that right? I think so. Yes. So yeah, we're gonna we have a little something planned. We're gonna talk a little bit about Mr. Miracle and hopefully get people ready to enjoy that series that I'm looking forward to personally. I like the both of them, especially mm-hmm. on something like this that kind sure. of could separate itself a little bit from the DCU. Proper. On the fringes, yeah. Supposedly it is in continuity for whatever that's worth, but considering how infrequently we see Mr. Miracle, I don't know if that means anything. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, if you, if, you, if you were to write an in continuity story about, you know, Lobo, and then you're not going to have him show up in a book for three years, then who cares? But uh, exactly. whatever it is, I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, we'll be talking about that next week. But I think that's all we got for him this week, Chris. Got anything else for him? Nope, that'll do it. Well, until next week, folks, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. Who came along for the ride? segment on the weird science dc comics.com podcast my name is reggie my name is chris and this week we have a pen ultimate issue uh-oh chris they say hiatus but we don't believe it <laughs> we don't believe when they say hiatus we think they mean we're finished mm-hmm. uh it's uh cave carson has a cybernetic eye number 11 story by gerard way and john rivera art by michael avon oming and nick Filardi. Mm-hmm. And uh, we open up. We got the uh, the android shell that's imbued with Cave Carson's memories of his dead wife, Mazra, is now operational. We were we were questioning if that was Mazra yep. last issue, but uh, it's more than confirmed that it is. It is Mazra. Uh, yeah. We, remember, yes. we were like, what is that red tornado? It looks like a red tornado from Earth too. Uh, <laughs> either way, Cave is pissed off. Uh, he punches the other Cave Carson right in the face. You remember he met another version of himself there. Right. Uh, Chloe is interested in getting to know this simulation of her mother, but uh, Doc Magnus advises uh, against that. Might not be the best idea. Now, the other Christy Madison emerges to see our Johnny Blake is still alive. And she rushes over to hug him because they had a, they had a thing during the uh, Silver Age. Yeah. Uh, 
we also get the impression that Cave feels a little bit uh, spurned at this yeah. point. He might uh, he might have had some uh, unresolved feelings for her as well. I'm not sure they might be married on this reality. This is this it's other possible. dimension. We don't know the full thing, but as far as I understand it, and again, we st- I still have not read those uh, Silver Age stories that seem to like no. b- gloss us by, but. It was this. This was sort of the triangle. Cave had sort of a smaller thing for Christy, but she was much younger, and he she had a thing for Johnny. Like anyway, uh, I don't see how far we're going to develop it with one issue left, but there it is. Yeah, probably not a whole lot. Uh, but meanwhile, while that that's all happening, the Whisperer is still wrecking everything. Uh, it's morphed into like this giant green exaggeration of a woman, right, mm-hmm. with weird torpedo boobs and these like uh, yeah. really giant nipples or areola on them. <laughs> Really kind of disturbing now. It's really getting it's getting a little too personal, I think. Yes. Uh, and still has these gross tendrils just whipping away from her face. But she's also got two naked giants. These would be the giants, I guess, from the last dimension, right? When everyone was giant. Yeah, uh, where they flew out of the the didn't they fly out of a ring or something or? That they, they would when they came out of the ring, the ring was on the one of those on giants one of the giants. Fingers. I think yeah. that's who these guys are, but I I guess it doesn't really matter. They are. Giants, uh, what mind controlled, and they have these big boners. Yeah, they kind of look like uh, emaciated ninja turtles without their shells a little bit. They do kind of. <laughs> actually, you're right. They do kind of look like ninja turtles, but with boners. Yes, uh, of course. And they're mind controlled by the whisperer, and we know this because they have that thing where like the skin around their eyes is peeled away, and their eye sockets are glowing blue, and that's somehow you know the whisperer. That's how. They can, he or she that's his calling card can, yeah can control people uh inside the whisperer though paul borstein i remember that's the son of edward borstein who has merged with the whisperer to such a degree that we don't even mention him anymore nope as far as i'm concerned he's he's gone it's now just the whisperer but his son is inside and he's in like some fetal stage and he's mutating into something horrible with toothy mouths all over it so mm. that's not a good end for him no, it's not pleasant. Uh, back to the lab, other Doc Magnus and other Cave Carson explain things. Other Cave has tissue stuffed up his bloody nose to probably stop the bleeding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems uh, when the Whisperers showed up on their Earth, they knew it spoke in an ancient dialect of the Muldrug. But Other Cave hasn't dealt with the Muldrug on his world in decades. And it was the first place the Whisperer destroyed among, upon emerging in their dimension anyway. Good move by the Whisperer. Indeed. Uh, still, the ancient le- legend suggested that the Whisperer could only be defeated by Muldrugan royalty. An heir of Soldona, or Soldana, they put it. Whatever that means, but, but we don't know. good enough for me. And that's when they found out about Mazra and figured that she could do the trick. So they charted these reality shards. These would be the gems that are, that the Whisperer and Cave Carson have been, Cave's been chasing the Whisperer through these reality shards all through different dimensions. Uh, and they use thousands of drones that we would know better as cybernetic eyes. They sort of just threw mm. them out into these dimensions. And casting a wide net, other Cave and other Doc Magnus figured they would find the Whisperer's origin universe eventually. And when they did, they would go to it, it would happen at a time before the Whisperer showed up, and the drone could attach itself to our cave and observe Mazra, and then eventually the Whisperer. Then it would detach itself and hitch a ride with the Whisperer until it got back to the the dimension of other cave and other Doc Magnus. You get it? Are you with me, everybody? Huh. Uh, and then <laughs> that's when it would do with the now create a Mazra to fight the Whisperer. And this really seems 
like a complex plan, Chris. I mean, couldn't they have, for example, gone to, you know, found that time and appealed to Mazra? Said, we need your help. Or even worse, (laughs) kidnapped her? Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is (laughs) creating this android clone just seems like busting your balls the wrong way around, as far as I'm concerned. I don't really understand why it has to be so complex, but uh, that's what it is. Yeah, Rube Goldberg is uh, is given an eyebrow to this. Yeah, it's, really. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, now, we got Mazra, and she's getting used to her new body. Uh, Johnny Blake wonders aloud why they didn't just shoot more missiles at it. Uh, Mazra says that the time has passed and then calls him Johnny the Asshole, because we got to remember that she is using Cave's memories. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the entire laboratory turns out to be on a movable disc on metal legs, and has been tracking the Whisperer while everyone's been chatting. Uh, Cave and Chloe are pretty annoyed at being used by other Cave and other Magnus. Other Magnus suggests that they didn't force our Cave to marry Mazarin and have a baby Chloe, but it sure helped. Yeah, that was, that was very convenient for them. <laughs> that was very fortuitous. Yeah. Uh, now, Other Cave explains that Android Mazarin is based on our Cave's memories and observations, uh, which, you know, we kind of understood by Yeah, I don't, they keep reiterating this. Like, yeah, yeah I, like it's new I news. I get it. I pretty, I understand now, I think. It's like, oh, Johnny the asshole. Well, that's because it's your memories. Well, yeah. it's because it's your memories. It's because yeah. it's your memories. We know. We got it. <laughs> now, then the then the whisperer alarm goes off. It's been happening every few issues now. Mm. Uh, our cave tells other Magnus not to call his dead wife and daughter an anomaly ever again. Yeah, before he you know gives them a little... He, Fist to the chin and says, mm-hmm. you know, give you a knuckle sandwich next time. What for? But now it's face-off time. Literally, the Whisperer's face tentacles are coursing towards uh. the saucer. Uh, <laughs> but then a missile peels off and just blows the head off one of the boner giants. And it's it's Wild Dog just doing his thing again. I guess they were like, we haven't used him yet, really, <laughs> so let's, let's have him do something. He's still here. Yeah, don't forget, he's still around. Uh, Saucer evades the Whisperer for a while, but eventually it's rendered immobile at the bottom of, like, a chasm. And the Whisperer is about to strike it with a giant hand, a big karate chop, actually. But, uh, the hand is stayed by Android Masaryk, just sort of holds it up. Then Android Masaryk is able to sock the Whisperer silly, punch it around a little bit. Uh, and the Whisperer hawks a purple loogie at Masaryk, which, could that be Paul Borstein, maybe? It might be, and I'm not sure if it was it a loogie or was it a snot rocket. Well, all right, all right, okay. If we're, if we're gonna be technical, it looked like it's, it really probably is a snot rocket. You're right, but uh, it's from the Flem family, you know, some it sort is. of a Flemmy thing. They're related, but uh, I, yeah, I'm not positive. It, it's it could be Paul could Borstein, be. but I don't think it has to be. I think that yeah, I, it's just it's no way to really tell from what what we see here. Uh, but that distracts Mazra long enough for the Whisperer to pummel her with the saucer, and she goes through the hull of the ship and is somehow irretrievable. I really don't know. I guess she got knocked to, like, the deepest bottom of this chasm or something. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to stop our pal Cave Carson, who's going to dive down there with a parachute or something and save uh, fake Mazra while Whisperer still destroys everything, I guess. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it'll all wrap up lovely. I'm sure next issue... Yes. Uh, as for the backup, Chris loved this one this time. My favorite. Yeah, you loved it because uh, it didn't come with our comps, so we couldn't <laughs> read it. But I'm guessing it was, the backup alone was 10 out of 10. That's what I'm guessing. 15 out of 10. <laughs> right. Uh, so what did you think, Chris, after reading this? Um, we've, we've talked a little bit about this off the air, and I'm going to repeat a lot of what I said there. Uh, 
I feel like had this had this series been introduced or, or solicited as a 12 issue series, mm-hmm. I'd be receiving it a lot better now. Uh, right now, I'm just so tapped out on this story. Yeah. Uh, it's not to say it's a bad story because it's not. It's not a bad story at all. But it's just like after 11 issues of this story without much of a break, it's it's kind of getting tiresome and. Uh, I, there's only so many times you can raise the stakes and then lower the stakes and then raise them back again. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I'm just really getting tired of and it. And in the same way, I mean, the story has had its sort of waves, right? Mm. Uh, you know, we started, it was a much more simple story that really campy took place action. in caves. Yeah. yeah, and much more campy. And now it's become much more esoteric, almost like psychedelic mm-hmm. uh, tour of the, whatever it is, the multiverse. You had that one Superman kind of aside, but that was still connected to this. It turned out to be his like coma dream. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I am feeling the same way. This. I mean, this had been an, an original graphic novel, obviously, or if they had said it's twelve issue arc, and I, I, mentally, I think we would have been more prepared. Yeah. For how long this uh, one story is going on. That being said, um, I thought for this issue especially, visually, the layouts and the art. Uh, the 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 action were just exceptional. Uh, Michael, oh yeah. Michael Oming always does a good job. Real creative stuff. But uh, for some reason, I feel like he even topped himself over the average. His average on this issue. Uh, it's really is it's vibrant and like when things are happening, things look like they're moving pretty quickly and you know forcefully. Um, and I don't dislike. I you know I feel like the plot. To get Mazra was a little convoluted, but mm. it's not really outside of, you know. It's, it's comics, yeah. As long as we're going through the multiverse anyway, you might as well have a cybernetic eye, you know, create an <laughs> android woman or whatever. So, um, but I, I hope it finishes up strong. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that it's going to involve Chloe is going to defeat the Whisperer now. Because remember, she was able to open the door to the Whisperer yeah. because she's she is an heir to of the bloodline, yeah, of Sildana, right, or whatever it is. We just I never heard that. I don't remember reading that before. Maybe we did. Maybe we did. Um, but she's going to be involved, I think, obviously in the last issue, and I, I hope it finishes strong. And who knows, maybe they can dig it out of mothballs in like a year or two or something like that, and uh, keep it going. But on the site, I gave it an eight out of ten, and that would definitely be a soft eight. Could go 7.5 on another day, but uh, still, I thought it was a solid issue. What do you think you would give it? The same the same thing. I, I was going to say a soft eight for sure. Yeah. I think that's fair enough. And uh, so this will we will be concluding that and Shade in September. But mm-hmm. next week, we have, for a fact, Mother Panic number 10, yeah. which is a comic that really no longer makes me feel like, uh, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I will say I'm excited. But uh, but I'm no longer like oh, we're not dreading it anymore. I'm like yeah. all right, and you know I I thumbed through it a little bit. I haven't read the, read it yet, uh, and I see the art is I got I can't remember the person's name. Sean Crystal again. There you go, Sean Crystal, yeah. and I was like all right, all right, I can sure. deal with this. Uh, but the following week can it be? We don't know. Doom Patrol number eight, really? What will it happen? Can it happen? Should it mm-hmm. happen? We don't know. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, that's all we got for him this week, Chris. I think that's all we got anything else for him. We have news. What's that? Bug. Oh, right. I forgot to mention Bug. Well, you know, <laughs> we were supposed to read Bug this week, right? Yes. Uh, did not happen, obviously, as we can tell. 
and uh, apparently it's the, now. I read that it, again. Not they didn't use the word hiatus. Not this time. But they made it seem like it wasn't canceled. So what it is is we're going to get issue number four, and then the last two issues are on the back burner at Young Animal what, what Kitchens. They, uh, they're like on hold indefinitely or something. Or Some nonsense in, like this. Yeah, it's so the way they the way they actually wrote it, I it's very weird. You can tell something's going on. Something's I mean, happening. Yeah. Yeah, but I it's. It said like they're canceled for now, or something like that. Which is what happened to Doom Patrol. They, 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 and that happens to a lot of comics. You know, you solicit them, and then you have to cancel them and resolicit them. You know, um, it, but this is something strange is happening here. Something strange has happened to Young Animal, especially for a mini series. You know, this was always a, a finite series, especially a mini series, especially done by the All Reds. Sure, they're uh, really quick, or they are always quick. Uh, if nothing else, the biggest name, you know what I mean? It's, uh, what, yeah. what the name is Young Animal. I would think that if you had your little boutique imprint, you would be putting a lot of your resources behind the All Red Into book. that name. Maybe yeah. not as many resources behind the uh, Jody Hauser book. You know, no no <laughs> offense, but this is the realities of, you know, uh, you, you really dump it in there. But um, it could it could be just as simple as, you know, uh, Mike Allred or any of them were busy. Could be and couldn't get it couldn't get it done in time. Although it seems strange because, like you say, it's a limited series, and uh, yeah. the fact that Young Animals being folded into Vertigo, Shade and Cave going on quote unquote hiatus, mm-hmm. something funny is is has happened at Young Animal, and we know none of the facts. So zero. Uh, you can we can speculate all we like, but we don't know thing one about it. But something there's a story in there, and hopefully. One day it will be told, and maybe Chris will be the ones to tell it. Uh-oh. But that's for another podcast <laughs> for another day. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's we don't, as far as I know, we don't even know when Bug Number 4 is coming out, right? Yeah, it was uh, it was pulled off of this week, and I don't know that we have a, a concrete date, date on when it is coming out. As a matter of fact. Because it's not in the next two weeks, right? It's it's not in the next two weeks. I mean, uh, you know, I'm reading old solicits too, so it could get shoved in there, I guess, it, or mm. maybe not next week, but the week after, possibly. Possibly. Uh, although I would doubt it. But uh, I say it was funny. Uh, Mike Allred on his Twitter has been doing DC house ads for every mm-hmm. issue of Bug. Um, you got to check them out. They're, they're they look like the old like uh, Gaspardino house ads from the 60s mm. and 70s. And it says, like, bug number four, and it even has a cover and everything, and it says, out sometime. No date. Mm-hmm. So, I who I don't know. There's, there's more to this story, and we don't know any of it. So, hopefully, maybe a real journalist can figure it out for us. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what don't to say about it. I don't think they have any of those in comics. No, no, they don't have any of those. They all, they all either went to go write comics, or they got real jobs. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, we will read bug when it comes, if and when it comes out, and Indeed. beyond that. We can promise nothing more, folks. Zippo. But if that's all you got for him, Chris, I think I'm going to tell everyone to keep it young and animalistic. See you.